0: It's okay to have these feelings, that it's okay to feel angry, to feel upset, to feel sad, to feel frustrated, all of these things. If we kind of learn that from the off and that we kind of like almost normalize that and we normalize having a conversation about this from a very young age, it would really help us all, I, th- I, I think.
1: Welcome to the Juggling the Chaos of Recovery podcast where we focus on health and wellness and overcoming all types of addictions. You're in the right place if you're a mom, dad, sibling, or caregiver who has a loved one who is or was struggling with an eating disorder or any other kind of addiction. In a time where everything seems heavy, I'm here to bring you a very real yet lighthearted take on what the heck we're all supposed to do with our lives while we care for our loved ones who are struggling. One thing holds true throughout it all, you can't juggle the chaos without smiling, at least a little bit. Well, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Moira Gorski. Thank you for coming back to listen and thank you for sharing this uh, podcast with others. As we uh, just continue, as I continue to want to share stories of hope and recovery and just the possibility that your life, our lives can be different regardless of what our past looks like. And today uh, I have a special guest who's coming to me, uh, coming to us from across the pond, as I would say. Um, I always just, it's just one of those things. I love to be connected with people just in general. And then when I can connect with people, you know, in Europe, in Australia, it's just kind of like really thrilling for me. So um, today, Kim Marshall is joining us. she is a, a woman who is really on a mission for helping other women who have have and are experiencing eating disorders just become confident, happy, free, just free of those binds that take over when you have an eating disorder, addiction, any type of struggle like that. So before we go any further, thank you, Kim, for joining me today.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Moira. It's an absolute pleasure.
1: Yes, thank you. It's been uh, great to get to know you uh, briefly and uh, really, really excited to share your story today. And um, and also this EFT. And as I spoke with you before, I was led to a gentleman who found his way to EFT or the tapping through his own experience of panic disorders and things like that. And EFT changed his life to the point that, uh, similar to yours, it changed your life And now you want to share that with others and help others with that really awesome technique. And even yesterday, I was trying to remember as I was coming on today, I'm like, who did I, I listened to somebody who was talking about tapping yesterday and I can't remember um, who it was and that's really not important, but the, just the cool, I encourage my audience today to just listen to this and be open to it because again, sometimes We hear things that sound a little like obscure, like what tapping on your body can really help you with your emotions and like, come on. But these are really these can be life changing techniques and um, therapies, if you will, that can really um, help you. So but I um, in the beginning, I just um, I want to talk about we always start with your story. So let's start with your story of um, how your struggle started, your eating disorder. I always say share what you're comfortable with. And uh, we don't need all the details, but just really the kind of highlights and the important points and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then we'll talk about what you're doing today and why you wrote a book and, you know, what you offer the world too. But let's start with your story, Kim.
0: Okay. So I guess I didn't actually, uh, kind of have an anorexia I wasn't diagnosed with anorexia until I was about 31 Um, so it was quite late in life for me but I think the tendencies is already were always there I was always known as sort of like the picky eater and you know I kind of never never really kind of was interested in sitting down and having a meal I'd be far too busy out out playing and and things and I was have these recollections of being made to sort of like finish my dinner at the dinner table and everybody else had kind of gone long ago and yeah and this it, kind of like felt that food was like a punishment I, get, I guess but that's what it felt like for me. Um Had a lot of body image issues growing, growing up as a teenager, I went from a sort of like a place where I didn't even really sort of like think about my body. Um, and then all of a sudden, every, everybody seemed to be commenting on it. You know, I had sort of like a, a friend from school who said in a PE lesson said, Oh, Kim, I wish I had legs like yours, my mine are so skinny. And she may have meant that as a uh, a compliment, but I just interpreted that as mine were fat. I had uh, a friend whose dad made a comment about me. I'm only four eleven now, so pretty pretty short, even shorter back then. But when I was about fifteen, I was even though I was small, I was kind of well developed, if you like to say. And and this uh, dad had kind of made a comment that uh to his daughter that I was top heavy you know and like other friends just kind of like had these kind of kept saying these comments to me about my body and, and all of a sudden it was like oh okay so people are noticing what I look like and it's obviously that important to them that they are feeling free to comment on this whereas so that kind of like set my mind racing I was like, oh gosh i you know, and, and kind of caused me to have some body image image issues. I did put on weight when I was pregnant, when I was about 24. I felt hunger like I'd never felt before. It was really, really strange and had sort of real bad nausea as well. And um, sort of being the first pregnancy kind of just went with it and ended up putting a lot of weight on uh, during that pregnancy. And I think I just kind of had that whole, I really had a crisis in sort of like self-esteem, self-confidence and I'd also sort of like moved away from sort of friends and family around that time as well and I became sort of like, I think I overate, um, I think as compensation because before I would kind of like go to work and then meet up with friends etc in the evening and then kind of but as a sort of like a replacement for that because i kind of guess i felt isolated um i would just kind of like eat in the evenings and that became my kind of form of entertainment and you know a reward for getting through the day and there was a lot of emotional eating going on there but i did after my second daughter i got back to pre-pregnancy weight which i was really really happy about but then soon after that i basically found out that my husband, at the time, was having an affair. I challenged him about it. I basically found some emails and uh and he just i kind of went off to work because that's you know I was due to be in work and had meetings and um and when I got back, he'd booked a plane out um you know sort of so um he left within the twenty four hours and I was—I don't know what I was actually. I was—I was, I, I was going to say I was gutted, but I don't think I had the space to feel gutted. I was just so shocked, I guess, by the whole kind of finding out. Um, and it was like I couldn't deal with that. You know, I was kind of like I had two daughters, four and two, and it was almost like right. I'm going to make sure that they sort of like suffer the least that they possibly can and so you know I tried to become that super mom I tried to sort of like put everything into them to make sure that they were happy I was having people kind of like say to me oh my gosh I'd be such a mess if if this had happened to me and you're so strong and and I just kind of like carried on and sort of like felt that then I had to keep on being the strong person and I think I just sort of totally blocked it all out. And my appetite had kind of gone. And yeah, and I was just thinking that, you know, I I lost quite a bit of weight. And I just kind of thought that I wasn't, I wasn't hungry. That's just, just you know, what was going on. But then I think, you know, after sort of like a few months, it, it kind of began to show up. It was like, actually, now I'm kind of quite scared of uh, of eating. And it was really, you know, there was a voice in my head sort of like telling me that I sh- I shouldn't eat and that i had done so well. And, you know, I just needed to carry on and everything would be all right. Yeah. So, and that's, and I was about 30, 31 then. And that's when kind of anorexia really did enter my life.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, and it's interesting as you say that, and even what we talked about before we went live here was this idea of, Um, I don't know if it's a woman thing. I think it kind of is, is that we think that we can do it all sometimes. And we have, you know, and we, I think you and I are similar that we have the drive and we want to do that. We want the best. We want the best for everybody around us. We Mm -hmm. want the best for us. And as I told you, you know, we rescheduled this interview because I realized a week ago as things were um, coming along, if you will, and that I had planned, I was like, you know what? I need to reschedule this because I need to take some time for myself. And I know like five, six years ago, even as I sent you that email to say, can we reschedule because I have a biopsy? I have like these things that are kind of, I think I believe I said, distracting me and I Mm -hmm. want to be full out present for you when we do this interview. And I thought after I sent that email, I'm like, you know what? I wouldn't have done this like five, six years ago. I would have been like, I'm just going to barrel on through and I'm going to do it because it's not a big deal. I just have to talk to somebody and record something. It's not a big deal. And I've learned that asking for help, you know, Mm -hmm. um, asking for support or saying something like that. Cause I, people may say, well, how is that asking for help? If you cancel an interview, okay. I know that I needed, I've learned that I needed support for myself that day and that morning. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to say no to her. And I am going to say no to my book launch. I relaunched or my book signing. I rescheduled that. And I said yes to me. Mm-hmm. And so Good. I, you know, that's I think a message here that you know, we, again, as women, we want to do it all and we have to learn how to take care of ourselves and also, and say no to things, say yes to things, say yes to ourselves and realize that it's okay to ask for help or kind of even like what I'm hearing from you is kind of real, like recognize the things that are happening. Like when we're under stress, like our body reacts. I remember having very stressful moments. I remember in my eating disorder, having stressful moments in college and not wanting to eat and my stomach hurting. I've realized that other times in my life when I've had stressful moments, and then you're like, I forget to eat. People are like, how do you forget to eat? Well, it's like our body responds to that stress. But then as we're going to continue to talk about, like then, okay, you realize that, like, what are the tools that I'm going to use now to get through that? Because we can't Uh always get... We can't always avoid the stress. We can't always avoid these things that are coming into our life that are causing stressful moments. But what are we going to do to get through it? If it's by saying no or finding something that I talk about on my podcast all the time, what's in our tool belt that we can pull out that yeah. we can use to help to get through,
0: Yeah, you know, help absolutely. through that moment. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. I think, you know, sort of like we, we've as women we fought for equal opportunities and it's a great thing but we have all these roles that we play and we want to be perfect and give 100% to all of them and it's really hard and like you say sometimes you have to kind of be honest with yourself um you know and i think have some honest communication as well because i think what what happened with me and the clients that i work with now a lot of this is you know the eating disorder is a way of coping with our emotions either through numbing them avoiding them or, or purging them and, um, and yeah and so it's, it's really about and some people aren't very good at talking about their feelings they aren't very good at sort of even acknowledging or accepting that they're feeling you know of their feelings and Some people are kind of brought up to think that showing emotion is weak or it's or, you know, uh, you know, oh, there's worse people off in the world. There's people starving in Ethiopia. Why have you got to be, you know, kind of concerned about, you know, man up and and things like that. And it's just not helpful because actually. If we were to learn from the off, that it's okay to have these feelings, that it's okay to feel angry, to feel upset, to feel sad, to feel frustrated, all of these things. If we kind of learn that from the off and that we kind of like almost normalize that and we normalize having a conversation about this from a very young age, it would really help us all, I I think. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I think we live in this world that, um, I mean, I was raised in a wonderful family and um, there's, you know, my family's English and, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we um, are very, you know, it's proper. We don't talk about the bad stuff. You know, it's just, that's what we, we showed up talking about all the good stuff. And so I get that. Like sometimes we aren't we aren't shown. We aren't. We aren't taught, or we're not given that space to talk about our emotions or the things that are not so good. And I know I always am very careful in telling, not telling my daughter's story and things like that. But, um, but I spoke with her last night, and she's at a really, I see, as a very great place in her recovery. And um, she's making some great strides. And she was t- telling me last night, sharing with me how she. I mean, she's in a treatment program, but she's starting to have more freedom, if you will. Or and they're they're giving her that opportunity to um, try things out, if you will. And mm-hmm. she did a little. She went to. You know, she went to Starbucks by herself. That was her task to do and to order a snack and things like that. And she was talking about it and she was sharing some of the frustrations and kind of the her head spinning moments and the fact that she did it. And Mm -hmm. I said, but look at that. You did it. So let's look at the good and realize that when is the last time you went Mm -hmm. on your own to a restaurant and ordered something on your own by yourself She's like, well, I don't, can't even remember. Like, right, okay. So can we don't need to expect that it's going to be perfect, right? Absolutely. But let's look at that good stuff and look at what you're realizing. Because she said, you know, it would have been nice to be with somebody. Like, have a friend with me. And I said, mm-hmm. so you're realizing the value of friendship. You're realizing the value of yourself. Like, how far you've come to do this wonderful thing. Which some people are like, hey, I just go to Starbucks every day and order this. But for you, it was a big accomplishment. And again, that whole idea that sometimes we look at things and it has to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, no, it doesn't. But let's look at the good and let's realize the bad and let's kind of figure things out there. But realize that it doesn't, like you said, kind of learn from that experience, be it good, bad, indifferent, in the middle. Let's learn from that and realize that um, every experience, again, doesn't have to be 100%
0: Oh, absolutely. Wonderful. Absolutely. And the amount of effort that is involved as well. And even if she had kind of found that she couldn't have, you know, she couldn't do it and she, you know, or she kind of may have done that, but she might have picked a a safe thing or something that, you know, I think we need to acknowledge and praise the effort, not just Mm -hmm. whether it's it's a it's a fail or it's a success but it's you know the effort that kind of goes goes into that as well and you know absolutely mm-hmm. oh that's that's fantastic it is fantastic. fantastic
1: and it's yeah it's wonderful to hear that and again when people have that again i think it's what we you know see it's like that having that space to again be present and Mm -hmm. to realize what's going on. And we know that with eating disorders, other addictions too, it's kind of like you have your blinders on and it's so like, you know, you're in your own world of struggle and you just don't see everything outside and you're controlling everything and all of that. And, you know, when people are in a better space, they have, again, that space to just see what's going on around them and appreciate that. And, um, And I, as I said to her last night, I said, just look at all of the good that's happening. And often that's, I know for all of us, even for me and you've, people have listened to my podcast, they've heard it, you know, oftentimes I have that. It's like, I'm, I'm looking at the, all the struggles and the bad, as opposed to looking at the good. So So you went through some, I mean, even at 31, I mean, how did you, because I think that's, it sounded like you had a life, you had children, you had those responsibilities, and then you chose to actually get some treatment and go away from that. And I mean, how did that come about that you realized or even made that brave step to get that help that you needed?
0: Well, well, I mean, it, it was so hard. And, and I think, you know denial as you you know I'm sure you're aware is a huge aspect as as well you know you don't want although you kind of have this inkling that something might not be quite right you also don't want anybody to kind of come and interfere and tell you what to do and sort of take away your control and the voice in your head is kind of like telling you that oh uh, you know they're just going to make you fat and and you you know kind of like you can do this on your own and and just to carry on and that there's not really an issue after all but I do remember just oh I remember one I think my girls were away they were visiting their dad um and it was like a half term holiday so they would sort of flew they had their dad was in uh Scotland in the top of Scotland and we were in we we're in the Midlands so they'd flown up to see him and I remember I think it was the day before they were due to come back and I remember I'd never felt cold like it and uh, I remember being having sort of like six layers of clothes on with a coat with a duvet wrapped around me kind of huddled against the radiator just trying to get some some warmth in I was absolutely physically and mentally shattered, and I just thought come on you 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 know what? What is this? You you were sort of supposed to be super mom, and look at you now. You just can't do anything. You you need to sort of snap out of this. So I did go, and I went to the GP, and and kind of um, got some uh, got referred. I was put on antidepressants, which I didn't. You know, I know that they work for some people, but for me, I just kind of felt like a zombie. And then I was put on a on a waiting list. Um, eventually I had I was given six weeks of counselling now I'm not sure looking back whether I wasn't ready or whether we weren't quite the right fit but I remember telling this lady kind of what I thought she wanted me to sort of say I remember kind of worrying so much about her thinking oh I don't want her to feel like she's doing a bad job or anything I want her to go away sort of like ticking me off and feeling like she's you know done well so yeah and it kind of like became this kind of like act I suppose and complete waste of both our times now when I look back at it but that's what I did and then so I kind of and I think over the the time I kind of went between anorexia and bulimia and my weight was kind of um you know a bit up and down and then um I also met my second husband, who basically was quite controlling and quite jealous, and that brought its own sort of issues. And so eventually, I think a few years later, I uh, went back to the GP again. I'd actually, again, sort of got into serious restriction. I was not in a good place, very, very dark place. I was isolating. And so I went back to the GP again. And he said, I'm not going to refer you again, because you got better before and you can do it again. And I was like, but when did you see me get better? And I thought, ah, that's because I'd restored some weight when I was going through a bulimic phase. And I couldn't believe that that was attitude you know eating disorders are a mental health illness and Mm -hmm. yet he's judging Mm -hmm. me on what I look like so I kind of went home and was just really upset and kind of felt completely helpless anyway cut a long story short I ended up going back several months later to the GP a colleague of mine who had noticed that I was struggling in a really bad way went with me to another GP who referred me straight away there was uh, a five-month waiting list. And during that time, I just kind of like, oh, nobody's taking me seriously. It's obviously not too bad. You know, I just, every time I tried to have something a little bit more, it would turn into a, a binge and then I'd make myself ill and or try and compensate. I just had sort of suicidal feelings several times a day. I was isolating myself and I think I told you before that you know with the suicidal feelings you know I knew that I had these young girls in my life you know that they were my responsibility but I genuinely believed that I would be doing everybody a favor if I wasn't there anymore I was just this huge burden and they would be better off being raised by somebody else because I was pathetic I was weak you know, I had so much self-loathing, such a negative mindset about myself, etc. And I I just felt like I was in this, the bottom of this kind of deep, dark well, you know, no chink of light shining through. And I just felt trapped. And I didn't know how the heck to get out. Part of me didn't want to. But I just knew I was in so much pain. And I just wanted it all to stop. Um, And Luckily, I managed by literally taking it. Taking it wasn't even each day at a time, but it was kind of every five minutes at a time. Sometimes, maybe half an hour, I managed to kind of get through. And um, and then after having my assessment uh, with the local eating disorder service, within days, um, I was I was basically in a residential eating disorder center. And it was really hard. And I remember the day before, you know, because I'd sat down and I talked to my girls about, you know, and, and at that point, I was, I was still married to my second husband, although we were kind of going through a, a difficult time. But I remember my eldest daughter, I think she was about eight or nine ish at the time. And I remember saying her saying to me, but mommy, why can't you just eat? and i just oh my heart just sank and i was like surely i can do this surely i can do this i don't need to go into a residential i don't need to be away for four months or i can do this i can do this for my kids and then i thought oh, i need to go cuz if i could have if it had been that easy right i would have done it by now and i knew that i needed to go because i did want to be the best mother that I could possibly be, you know, Mm -hmm. at that point, it, although it seemed like a selfish decision, I was terrified of, of going and kind of being made to eat and, and restoring weight. But I knew that I need somewhere deep down. I knew that I needed to do it. And this wasn't the kind of mother that my children deserved at all. And, you know, he was me trying to be super mom. And I was ended up, you know, kind of, and making a bigger disaster of it.
1: Right. Yeah. And, you know, I've had that, I had that, I remember that uh, same phrase was um, said to me when I was in college with one of my college or one of my high school friends, mother, she said, why don't you just, just go ahead and eat. And it's like, if it was that easy, we would have, you know, I would have taken care of that. And so again, so many um I like that whole description. I hope people heard that because sometimes people think that oh come on it's just about eating like just eat or again just don't drink or whatever the case is it's just not that it's just not that that easy and so good for you for again having that desire to be the best mom again be a super mom but really in a better place as a mother for your kids and for yourself and things like that. Did you discover EFT when you were in treatment? I mean, was that something that there was a modality that they used? Or how did you find this tapping technique that helped?
0: Yeah, no, I, I didn't. I was in, resi- like I said, I was in residential for four months. And we had sort of like group sort of therapy sessions and one-to-one sort of sessions. But they were mainly sort of talking therapy. And although we kind of discussed these things and, and that, I kind of, and you know, and I would learned, I'd relearned to eat and and everything. And I came, you know, when I was discharged, I was a more healthier weight, but I still felt that you know the the urge to kind of like go back to old behaviors. You know, the voice in my head was kicking in. Right now, you're out, you're free, you can kind of go back and, you know, look at you, you've sort of put on all this weight, and you know everybody's going to be judging you and da 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 da. And I was like, no, I do not want to go back. And I remember saying to myself every day for, I don't know how long, you can lose weight tomorrow, but you know that you're not happy there. And I had to keep kind of telling myself over and over. But basically what I'd done is I'd sort of decided that I was going to take extra months off work. I wasn't going to go back because the whole, you become quite institutionalized, you know, and when you're in there, everything becomes about the eating disorder and about recovery. And the thought of coming out into the big wide world again and kind of having all that responsibility on you, on you again is quite, it can feel quite overwhelming. So I decided that I was going to sort of not go back to work just yet. I'd actually um, quit my job when I was in uh, residential. And so when, after a few months, I decided that because I come from a business background, I decided that I was going to set up my own business, helping support small businesses, sole traders. And so I remember kind of drawing up this e-leaflet and um, and sort of, you know, kind of coming up with an email list and sort of attaching it and sending out a quick email to, to sort of like local business owners. And within half an hour, this lady had come back to me and she said, oh, I'd love some help with my marketing. So great. So we fixed up a meeting. And it turns out she was an EFT trainer. And so I was like, I have no idea what this is, you're going to have to explain it to me so I can help you with the marketing. So she said, well, actually, I've got a training that I'm doing this current coming weekend. So she said, come come along. Yep, great. And so I said, well, but what is it? She's like, So she was kind of explaining it to me that you kind of tap on these meridian energy points while focusing on the emotion and the issue. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, this woman sounds absolutely crackers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, how can this possibly, how can, you know, she was telling me how you can kind of like let go and you can sort of your emotions or negative emotions and how you can feel calm and relaxed after it. It's like, but just by tapping on some sort of points on your face and your hands, how can that possibly work? But, you know, I uh, I went along and I went to this training and I was absolutely blown away. You know, we were kind of like just tapping on little things, but I was kind of like, oh my gosh. And it was, we were kind of, you know, practicing on tapping on a memory and And I remember tapping on because I ended up having a like an emergency section with my uh, first daughter. And, you know, it was a really difficult birth. And and I remember, you know, I was talking about it and all of a sudden these tears came. You know, I didn't even know that that were there. And, you know, I was really sad about that. The fact that it couldn't have been a more kind of I know it sounds crazy but like in a more enjoyable experience sort of during or kind of like afterwards because I was in a lot of pain etc and so you know we started tapping and then I don't know after about 15 minutes or something like that I started laughing you know about the fact that I'd wasted all these years kind of worrying about the birth and feeling sadness upon the birth and yet actually you know I, I you know I had this wonderful daughter and you know how everything was kind of being kind of smudged by this kind of memory and and then we kind of tapped on something else and tapped on something else I was like oh my gosh there's there's something to this and then of course I came away and then I was like yeah this guy I'm a bit of a skeptic and so I was like no there must be some trickery or, or you know it's it's probably I was distracted and, and if I think about it again then it will come back up but it really didn't and so then I kind of carried on doing some trainings with her you know and eventually she said well why you know you're doing all these trainings why don't you just become an EFT practitioner you, you may as well. So I was like, oh, OK, yeah, I'll do that. So I became the um, the practitioner and, you know, and then I didn't do anything with it. But then kind of after a few years, I started working with people with anxiety, with depression, with alcohol and drug issues. I worked with some children in schools with uh, with dyslexia and then. Again, a few years later, after I really felt ready and that you know I wasn't going to be triggered myself or I wasn't going to kind of compromise any clients, I started working with uh, people with eating disorders. So, um, so yeah, that's how kind of I came across EFT. What you know, it was a complete well, it's probably fate if, if you know, but yeah, it was, um, it was incredible the, the the story behind it.
1: Right. Yeah. And yeah, it's one of those things that like, you think like, oh, that's just so strange. How could that happen? But certainly there was a wonderful reason why, you know, she reached out to you and what a wonderful then life you've had. And now that you have a chance to help other people with that. And that's what I love about EFT is that kind of what you said, like you'd you're like oh it's not a big deal you start talk you start thinking about a memory or tapping on it and and saying and you know people can again reach out to you and and hear really more specifically how it it works but i've done enough of it myself knowing that like you talk about that negative emotion like even though i'm feeling anxious about mm-hmm. this biopsy today i know that i'm healthy and i can't control it or whatever but you're like even though cuz you do talk about that You know, even though I'm feeling this way, even though I don't want to eat this, even though then you focus on, but what can you do? Or, or just again, realizing, I think recognizing that emotion, that's what I've learned is just recognizing that negative, but then, it's it's just, it's it's fascinating and we don't have time to go into all of the details of how it really works, but it really does work. And um, just like what you said, for people that have anxiety and depression, adults, children, eating disorders, alcohol, like things like that, we all have emotions wrapped around all of that. And that's oh, what it really helps to is really, again, replacing those negative emotions and memories, you know, with positive things or that possibility of something yeah. You know, yeah. positive.
0: Absolutely. It's like letting go of our baggage, you know, imagine sort of like walking through life, you know, from when we're kind of tiny as children and stuff and our suitcases are getting bigger and bigger and we're kind of carrying more and more with us, which is affecting everything, you know, how we see the world, how we see the, ourselves, every, all our thoughts and decisions and, and, you know, our behaviors. And so it's just about letting letting all that go and just, you know, kind of like start almost kind of focusing on the, on the present and our our future and being able to kind of like look forward to that more.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you went on to, um, you went on to write a book and I mean, again, you're doing great things. You, have you've been more, um, again, you've gone and gotten more training with the EFT. I mean, I'm, I'm curious about like with your book, cause people have told me that, oh, you should write a book. And I'm like, I don't, Oh, if I really want to write a book and like, who wants to read my book anyway? So, but I have, um, I have realized the importance of journaling and writing things down. So how did it come about that you, you know, decided to write a book? Was it from journaling through your, through your, your life and your, your struggles or how did that come about?
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was never, you know, I never thought that I'd write a book either. And um, and it kind of it was, so my book's sort of like in three parts. And so the, the the first part is basically my journaling, my diary. It was a way of being able to express, you know, my thoughts, my emotions, write, write it all down to try and get it out of my out of my head. So it and I sort of and I think I started it a few months before I went into residential when I was really feeling low. And then I kind of journaled all the way through um, when I was in residential as well and in doing that treatment. So that just kind of stayed. It was like almost just sort of like, you know, like a, a little notepad. And it was my kind of thoughts jotted down on there. And then that was kind of put away for, for ages. And then when I became an EFT practitioner and I was still kind of like using EFT on myself and kind of, you know, dealing with my stuff and and I basically, I just decided that I wanted to write about what had helped me through my journey and, and kind of like maybe what hadn't helped, etc., so i sort of just started writing about about that and then again then that was put away for for quite a while and then when i started working with people with eating disorders i then sort of started writing down the process that i took them through when i worked with them what kind of you know you know what did we work on what did we look at and 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 things like that and um And so that became then another part. And then I think I just kind of thought, do you know what? I'm going to just put this onto Word, you know, onto, I'm going to type all this up. Because, you know, it might help somebody. Somebody might be interested. It might help somebody. And then, so I did. And it wasn't, you know, like I said, you know, it, it even at that point, it wasn't a rash thing. I kind of picked it up and then I let it go. And it was quite, it was quite something to kind of go back and, you know, kind of like look at where I, would you know, how I'd been feeling before. And it was quite, you know, there were times when I needed a break from it you know and I but actually reading back through it if there was anything that was kind of triggering I'd sort of tap you know it would be a good thing to tap on so I did that and then I think I don't know I'd had some discussions and a friend of mine who had recently you know had a book published and and people were saying oh you know you should write this book you've you've got it there and then it was of course you know it was like oh who who would want to read this and and so I, I think um, I kind of Googled, you know, sort of people that or publishers that would kind of like would be accepting of submissions. And I didn't have an agent, so I had to kind of check um, who would just kind of you know uh, receive submissions from the author. And then, and I think my friend said, "Well, why don't you contact my publisher? I think it would be a good fit. They're really interested in in kind of." you know, doing some good work. And so I did. And yeah, within a few weeks, I had a, you know, they offered me a contract. And I was like, you know, and I think I was just blown away, because I kind of thought that, you know, you kind of hear about these authors that kind of, you know, banging on publishers doors for years. And, you know, it's like rejection after rejection. And it's like, are you sure this is real? It seems a bit too simple, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and I kind of questioned it, but um, but yeah, it's uh, it happened, and and the book um, was published in two thousand and eighteen.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's great, and I th- I think your story is great, and what you're doing, um, as I've shared from so many other people, like what you're doing, you're taking that experience of your life and you're learning from that. And then you're helping other people learn from their own experiences of life and find a way to healing and to a better, um, a better life. I mean, I think, again, we have some similarities is that you don't necessarily realize how great you are in the work that you do. I mean, you've blogged, you've written, you've talked and things like that. I mean, you are doing some amazing things and I'm really thrilled that I'm able to feature you today so that the world can hear more about you. Again, I think it's a great it's great. And it's just that you're taking life as it comes, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, okay, what next and what next and what next. And, um, again, just so, I mean, I share with other people and maybe not enough on this podcast, but when people come into my life that I can share their story Mm -hmm. on this podcast, it ends up being like exactly what I needed to hear that day. And really very therapeutic for me. And I know people can't see this because this is, you know, is audio, but I mean, you have this beautiful sunshine that's coming in through your window. And basically for the last half an hour, you look like an angel. I mean, you look like God is like shining on you and you have this beautiful, like, I'm like this is just so it's just amazing like how that's working and again I people can't see it but it's really cool how this light is coming in and then you have this like orb around you and I'm like that's just cool it's just cool Um, (laughs) you look like you're being blessed by God and being you know just given all of this beautiful light and I feel like that's kind of a good way to kind of wrap this up and the fact that you have taken your life and now you're shining it out to other people you're not afraid of it and you're helping other people with their life and let that, you know, helping them shine their light, you know, into the world. So, um, it's cool. I took a picture of it, so I'll send it to you. I'd
0: love to think that I'm an angel. I wouldn't kind of put myself that far, but yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I love but that. I, I think that again, we, I know, like I say this, cause I can say it, that I do it myself. I mean, sometimes we don't realize the impact that we can have in the world mm-hmm. and the impact, like you said, when you wrote your book, maybe one person could read this and be helped. Maybe some mm-hmm. one person could listen to this podcast and be helped. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the attitude. I mean, sometimes again, but going back to what we talked about in the beginning as women, we're like, oh, we want to do it all and all of that. But, but even though we want to do it all, we're also like, I don't know, sometimes we're not even thinking about that impact that um, that if we could switch it around to say we're doing so much and we're having great impact, that's such a better way to have it as opposed to we're doing it all. And we're just running ourselves into the ground and we're emptying our cup to everybody else and not filling, you know, not filling ourselves up. Um, you know, I'd love for people to know how to find you again, you are, um, in the UK. So, but social media is wonderful and, um, websites are wonderful too. So, you know, where can people find you if they're looking to connect with you?
0: Yeah. So I have a website called, um, and that's at wwwkissgoodbye to annacom That's all one word. And Anna is A-N-A. Um, I'm also on Facebook. I have a a page called kiss goodbye to Anna and I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, Mm Um, so yeah, so people can find me.
1: Yeah, And that'll all be in the show notes. I'll put that in there as well. And, um, and yeah, I look forward to continuing to, um, you know, be in touch with you and follow you and even maybe come on and, um, you know, just again, continue to do some things together and share this. Um, I kind of feel like that message of, you don't have to be a super mom, um, Mm -hmm. to, you know, we really have to take care, you know, take care of ourselves in order to take care of those, around us, but we got to really start with ourselves.
0: Oh, we do. And one thing I'd like to add to what you said is that, you know, when we kind of sometimes don't realize how good we are, often our natural gifts and our natural skills, we kind of take them for granted because to us, they feel very, you know, it's just, it's just easy. And, you know, it's what we do kind of like we get without even thinking, without even trying. And so we just kind of think, oh, anybody can do that but actually we don't realize that not everybody can and not you know we're all very individual and have our own individual gifts talents skills et random um, and they're all vital and so yeah we should kind of give ourselves the the credit that we that we deserved but just if i can mention i have got um a petition that i've just um i'm campaigning for better support for eating disorders um now it is kind of primarily over in in the uk but um if uh if people can look out for that it's at um www.change.org forward slash ed support needed i'd be really grateful if anybody could sign and, and share that that would be really helpful please because um Like, you know, sort of particularly sort of since the pandemic and with lots of mental health issues, there's just a lot of people struggling, sort of like there doesn't seem to be the resources available. Um, You know, I believe that uh, GP and other medical health um, professionals need kind of mandatory training in eating disorders as well and, and with mental health. And also looking at the curriculum. You know, like I said about having that kind of normalising emotions and talking about emotions. So, kind of like having a real focus, not just on kind of you know reading and writing, etc., and, and maths, but on well-being in the curriculum from a from an early age, and also kind of you know not having the. Um, you know, just the one practitioner or the one therapy on offer when you kind of go for help, because different things suit different people. So, um, so yes, I'm really keen to sort of um, try and bring that to the forefront and get people talking about that. So hopefully, better Uh, help will be available.
1: Yeah. And I, um, again, I'll put all of that in the show notes. So people have that link, you can look there. Um, It's a quick and easy because I did that, I supported um, you and again, signed the petition um, a couple of days ago. And, um, and I know that from because I'm on a few Facebook uh, groups for, um, you know, mothers with kids with eating disorders, and one is an international one. And it seems like the UK has much less resources or your waiting lists are much longer and things like that. So again, any place that we can shed light into this, again, realize that support is needed. And it starts with education, like teaching those doctors more about it, teaching again, speaking up about this, that we don't need to be quiet about the mental health issues. And certainly the pandemic has brought so many issues to light and, and it's okay to get help. I think that's how, you know, and, and we've got to make sure that we have the resources so people can get the help. So um again thank you for your time today it's again a real pleasure to connect with you and get to know you and again that light is still shining right about, uh, right next to you and it looks great um so thank you um thank you for everything that you shared and um it's uh, again great work that you do and um to my audience again thank you for listening this is a longer podcast than i usually do but i always just take it as it comes and know that there's so much information to share and when we have a little bit longer conversation that it's because we needed to, to have those conversations and others need to hear it. So thank you, Kim, uh, Marshall. Oh, thank for, you so for much. Joining me today. And again, thank you for listening. Please continue to share these podcasts with others. Uh, pick up my journal, which you'll see again, the, the link in the show notes as well. Journaling is a wonderful way to start writing your thoughts down and perhaps one day writing a book or perhaps again, sharing those thoughts with others so it can help you help you help others that you come across. So again, thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk with you next time. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. Share it with others and make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. I've got a tribe over on Facebook, so head over there and search for Juggling the Chaos of Recovery Podcast Tribe. And do you know somebody who has a story, a story to share, a story of recovery and hope? Please let me know as I'd love to feature them as a guest on one of these next upcoming podcasts. And perhaps you're looking for a community of like-minded, collaborative, and supportive people who cheer each other on as we strive to improve our lives. If that sounds like something you've been looking for, schedule some time with me. You'll find the links in the show notes. Let's talk, and let me help you find your way. And I'm here to tell you that you're worth it.